Hi guys, I don't normally run ads on this show, but this is the family business, luggagewarehouse.co.za. My dad, my brother, my stepbrother, my uncle have all worked for Luggage Warehouse directly, and I've done freelance brand strategy for them for years now. So it supports the whole family. It supports this show indirectly. So if you're looking for luggage, accessories, uh, handbags, and fashion stuff, even you can go to luggagewarehouse.co.za. And there are two products that I want to pull out for you here. Number one being Builderset, which allows you to create your own combination of large, small, medium, check-in, hand luggage, all that stuff. And it gives you a discount for each additional bag you buy up to a certain limit, I think. But you can get great discounts on big collections of big luggage. So if you're thinking of immigrating, it's the perfect way to kind of gear up for that. And the second thing I want to pull out is Luggage Glove, which is a protective sleeve that my dad invented. My brother has kind of perfected over the years. It's a thick 3D fabric mesh sleeve that pulls over your um, over your luggage and then locks closed. It's got a TSA lock. It's got holes for the handles, so it's quite convenient. It's not like single-use plastic wraps because you don't have to cut open a hole in the plastic to use the handle you can take it off easily it's got a combination lock and it's much more sustainable because you're not just murdering turtles with single-use plastic Uh, but it makes the bag much more difficult to get into and it protects it from bumps and scrapes and if you are emigrating then those are two important things because you might be carrying actual valuables in your check-in luggage and because they're going to be heavy and you might be going a long distance they can pick up some major damage so luggage gloves uh, do a great job of protecting your luggage in the long term That's it for my pitch, luggagewarehouse.co.za. There's a link in the show notes. Late one night, I was roaming through the narrow alleyways of the Gothic quarter of Barcelona with a friend visiting from South Africa. We wandered into a small square with a restaurant along one wall and an ancient fountain in the middle of it. Sitting against another wall was a busker, playing a wistful, almost mournful song to the still, warm night. My friend and I sat down on the edge of the fountain and just listened for a while, both of us aware that this was a special moment, that we were experiencing a part of what makes the city of Barcelona a magical place. Hi everyone and welcome back to South African Expats, the podcast for immigration curious South Africans. I'm your host, Jonathan Varnke, and today I have a slightly different episode for you. It's my 20th episode of Expats and I thought I'd tell you about my immigration experience, one that ended up with me back in South Africa seven months later and married almost exactly a year after that. This is the story of how I almost immigrated to Barcelona, Spain. Firstly, I know that Barcelona isn't the correct pronunciation, but because my Spanish is still so poor, I'd rather say it like the pleb I am. With that said, my goal today is to go through the questions I normally ask my guests and give you my answers. For context, I've lived overseas three times in my life. The first when I was 18 years old, I spent seven months in the UK doing a gap year teaching at a school. In the second instance, I moved to Japan for five years and lived uh, in a city called Kobe near Osaka. That was between 2005 and 2010. My next overseas experience was Barcelona. I moved there for work. I only had the benefit of my South African passport. And I was there for seven months before I came back. So let me tell you about how that happened. And then my thoughts on living in Barcelona itself. 
In 2016, I took a sabbatical year. I took a year off from work, I sold my car to cover my costs, and I spent a year doing creative projects. After that, I went back into freelancing. And then one day I got a message from a friend of mine who lived in Barcelona and had gotten a job at a very prestigious agency there. And he told me that they were looking for an English-speaking copywriter to be a senior writer on a very well-known account. At the time, I was single. I was living in an apartment by myself. I didn't have a lot of uh, things to tie me down. And to be honest, and I go through these waves of believing in South Africa and then not believing in South Africa, thinking that everything's going to be fine and then thinking that everything's going to be chaos. And I was going through a phase where I was looking overseas and thinking that maybe my future lay there. So I jumped at the opportunity. I said, yes, let me get in touch with these people. We had a conversation. I had a couple of online interviews with the, uh, the creative director and the executive creative director and a couple of others. And they offered me the position of senior writer. It was a bit of a whirlwind next few months as I did a bunch of paperwork, criminal background checks, uh, proof of my education, all that kind of thing. So I did all that and I was set to leave for Barcelona in two weeks. I would arrive on the 1st of May and start a couple of days later. In the first month or so, I would be staying in Airbnbs looking for an apartment. And once I got myself settled, I would be there in Spain, in Barcelona for the long term, for the job and to see what came next and hopefully stay in Europe and emigrate. Well, Destiny really didn't see it that way. So a friend of mine organized a birthday party for his girlfriend. And what she didn't know is that they would be engaged by the end of that birthday party. All the guests arrived at a theater, at a cinema, and he brought her in blindfolded and she thought she was there to, to watch a movie with him. And he took off the blindfold and the movie was the story of their relationship and then a proposal and it was all very touching. Later that night, there was an after party at a kind of a biker bar and I met a woman who would become my wife. And I didn't know that at the time, of course. I was two weeks from leaving town and moving to Barcelona, but we hit it off and the whole relationship was remarkably free of some of the worries and anxieties and back and forth and boundaries of normal dating because there was this timeline and in two weeks I was going to be leaving. So we grew closer very, very quickly. We were very honest with each other. And uh, I was sad to go, but go I did. I, it was all organized and that was the plan. And I headed off to Barcelona and arrived there on the 1st of May. I landed in Barcelona kind of at the very beginning of spring, maybe the end of winter. It was chilly. It was a bit windy. I was all by myself and I was checking into one of a series of three Airbnbs that I would be staying in while I looked for my own apartment. So that pretty much answers a lot of the first questions. I came from Cape Town. I moved to Barcelona for work. And uh, my family and friends absolutely supported me. I think my, my mother was sad because the plan was to emigrate. She would only see me occasionally. But as she is in every instance, she was incredibly supportive. I think it took me about three months between first hearing from my friend and then actually getting there. So it was a relatively quick process. And a lot of it was sped up by the agency's head of people. They have an HR department who actually handle a lot of the immigration stuff. Their agency is quite multicultural anyway. So they have a lot of expats who they need to process paperwork for. By the time I left, everything I owned was packed into a red suitcase and a backpack. That's what I cut all my possessions down to. I gave away or sold a lot of the furniture in my apartment. I put a lot of small items in storage, books and so forth, but I also got rid of, of most of my possessions. The process getting there and doing all the paperwork was quite painful and a little bit drawn out. I would rate it at about a 7 out of 10 in terms of difficulty. 
it's just uh, boring and detail focused. So yeah, I was very glad that someone did most of the work for me. The main stressor was having to break my lease in my apartment. So I lost my deposit. And then just getting out on time was quite stressful, but I was excited for the move. Let's go through the second half of the questions adjusting to a new life. Did my home meet my new expectations? Yes, absolutely. Barcelona blew my expectations out of the water. I loved it. From the moment I arrived, the energy of the city, the love for art, design, architecture, music, it was just everywhere. It just envelops you in the city. In a way, it's a lot like the, the city I lived in, Japan. It's a lot like Cape Town in a different country. It's a relatively small city. It's got mountains just behind it. It's got a natural bay. It's got a beautiful beach. A lot of beaches, actually. I guess it's got that Cape Town feel to it. The food is great. The people are expressive and artistic. If you walk into the Gothic Quarter, you can find these little tapas bars that do incredible fusion meals. And they do uh, just the level of cuisine is incredibly high. The energy is always there because Barcelona is such a popular tourist destination. There's so many people there, not just people coming off the boats and then back on and off again, or just coming down for the weekend for a stag night or whatever it might be, but people who are staying there for a couple of weeks to really soak it up and to, to club and to party. And, and Barcelona, if you want to party, then Barcelona is an incredible destination. I do not want to party. I'm not really that kind of person. I only partied a couple of nights while I was there and I had an amazing time. But it's just a little bit too much for me. I mean, I know people who went on two, three-day parties. It was crazy. I, I could never maintain that. So the only way that it didn't meet my expectations was in the job itself, which turned out to be very corporate. If you know anything about the advertising world, it's very much a network job on an international brand with a hell of a lot of lawyers checking every single thing going on. A lot of late nights, a lot of weekends, a lot of frustration. So I wasn't really enjoying the, the job, but that, that story develops a little later. Let's talk about living in Barcelona. What are the best things about Barcelona? As I said, the place is all about culture. There are bars with musicians in them. There's buskers everywhere. There's art, street art everywhere. And of course, it's the home of, of Gaudi. Sagrada Familia, Park Güell, Casa Media, uh, Casa Bayo. There's just so much incredible architecture around the, the city and its particular grid layout is absolutely iconic and make it a very pleasant place to live because the sidewalks are incredibly wide and very friendly to pedestrians. Also, they've got a bike hiring system, kind of a rental system where you become a member if you've got residence there and you can just pick up a bike from a street corner close by. There's electric bikes and normal bikes and you can get anywhere in the city very quickly that way. Other things I like is the food is just incredible. Obviously, they've got tapas, paella, but they're also big onto international food like sushi, ramen, anything you want, really. There's some kind of incredible restaurant serving it in Barcelona. And you will never run out. It's so dense. There is just so much on every corner that you'll just never run out of places to eat or things to do or places to go. On the artistic side as well, the city is home to a large amount of galleries and exhibitions, live music, of course. One specific thing I'd like to talk about is the Gothic Quarter. So according to Wikipedia, the Gothic Quarter, or Bari Gothic, has narrow medieval streets filled with trendy bars, clubs, and Catalan restaurants. You can wander through those streets for days, just exploring, discovering little restaurants and little shops, incredible design and street art, uh, musicians playing on the side of the road. Lots of tourists, of course, but in the evening, late at night, you can walk around that area and it's almost totally empty. 
and it's just quite a magical experience. The other absolute must-see, must-hang-out-in is the Sagrada Familia, which is the most impressive piece of architecture in the world, in my opinion. All right, so that's enough of me waxing lyrical about the wonderful aspects of Barcelona. Let's talk about question number 16. What are the worst things about Barcelona? Now, number one is that the Spanish are not in general English speakers. They don't have that same focus on English language that uh, Scandinavian countries and some of the more northern European countries have. So it's not going to be easy if you don't speak some Spanish. And that's just kind of something you have to deal with. I think English speakers are used to the idea that everyone should just speak English when they get there. But in some countries, you'll find that people haven't learned English, and that's just your problem to deal with. Spanish does happen to be one of the easiest languages to learn if you speak English. So, I mean, I gave it a pretty good crack, but uh, I wasn't there long enough to really get it under my thumb. But yeah, you can learn Spanish pretty quickly and easily if you already speak English. You might have trouble adjusting to the idea of the siesta and the general work rhythm of Spain and Barcelona. Uh, I found it quite weird. People would, you know, we'd show up to work 9.30, 10, 10.30 in the morning. There would be some work and then you'd go for a two-hour lunch at around two or three o'clock. And I'm not used to having a lunch that long. I am used to, as a South African, I'm used to taking an hour lunch maximum, a half hour lunch normally, sometimes even eaten at my desk so I can keep working because we want to end the day at a reasonable time. Spanish are... Uh, quite open to working into the evening and then going out after that. I remember the first time I went to Spain when I was 19 years old, uh, the clubs all opened up at 11 o'clock at night and there was no one in them. But me and my South African friend were standing around wondering where everyone was at 11 o'clock at night, but they actually only turn on around midnight or one o'clock. So yeah, the rhythm of work is a little bit difficult to deal with because I ended up working a lot of late nights until 10, 11, 12 midnight and often with colleagues, and then they would often go out afterwards for drinks or dinner, stay out until three o'clock in the morning, and then roll back into work at 10 a.m. So being 40 as I am, and as I was then, uh, 38 or something like that, I'm a little bit past that stage, I guess. It's a different style for me, and most of the people I was working with in advertising were in the more than the early 20s, so they had the energy for that, they had the hears for that, and they loved it. Yeah, if you're an early bird or if you are quite set in your ways about starting work at nine and finishing at five, then that will present some challenges for you. Lastly, I'll talk a little bit about finding a place to live. Barcelona is obviously a very popular city. It's a very popular city for expats, for people who come and go with the seasons. And I arrived at the end of winter going into spring and, and summer. And I found that I had very little time to find myself a place to stay before suddenly everyone was coming to Barcelona. And the housing market is incredibly competitive. I think I lost two or three flats because I said, I love it, let me talk to you in the morning about it, and I will confirm. And by the time I'd uh, talked to them in the morning, someone had already shown up and said, I'll take it immediately. So I lost a couple of good places. So I do recommend that if you come to Barcelona, you try to come in winter or in the tail end of winter, so that you can find places more easily. Because if you try to come during the beginning of summer, you're going to be in a very competitive environment for finding a flat. Uh, also, I lived in the center of Barcelona, close to the Arc de Triomphe, and there are many, many suburbs, all of them with different characters in Barcelona, and you have to do quite a bit of research, but the 
apps used for finding a, a place are actually quite good. They have uh, location targeting. So you can say, I'm looking for an apartment with two bedrooms within 100 meters of where I'm standing. And you'll be able to walk around the city, say, oh, I like this place, and then ping that area and find places that are up for rent. There are also some scams to be aware of. Some uh, fraudsters of advertise rental properties which don't exist or are completely different uh, to how they are presented. And the key thing here is that if it, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And you should never, ever pay money in advance of actually seeing the property. Finally, the deposits you have to pay before moving into a place can be quite high. So it could be one month's deposit plus the first month of rental. It could be two months. And some landlords may also ask for six months payment as a guarantee. When you rent a property through a real estate agency, you are the one who gets charged, not the landlord. So they may charge you up to 10% of the yearly rent to facilitate the transactions. And if you're not living in Spain, you might end up using a real estate agency. So definitely something to do your research on. There's quite a few websites that will give you full resources and information to, to deal with the issues around renting in Spain. And I'll post a couple of links in the show notes that'll be helpful. So I usually ask my guests, do they feel like their buying power increased since moving? And I definitely felt like mine did. I was earning a, a pretty good salary in Barcelona and I was single, living by myself. I didn't have any pets or dependents. So yes, of course, I think as you'll find with anyone earning a professional salary in a European country, the buying power is better than in South Africa and your lifestyle can certainly be of a higher level. It's a first world country and you're earning euros. All right, quick fire round. Rate your new home from one to 10 in the following quality of life categories. Healthcare. My interaction with the healthcare system in Barcelona was very limited, but what I did notice was that there's a pharmacy on almost every street and the medicine is extremely cheap. I was pretty impressed with what I saw. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity or the need to visit a doctor or anything like that, so I honestly can't tell you too much about it personally. I would rate it uh, 7 out of 10 with not very much information. Education. I didn't have any interaction with the educational system. I didn't have kids at the time. And I would certainly be much more interested in that now if I considered moving back to Spain. So I'm not going to give a rating here. Work opportunity. Right, so this is a fairly interesting one. Because of the lack of English speaking in Spain, there's not a lot of industries that are going to want a South African national who can't speak Spanish. If you don't have an ancestral passport or EU residency of some kind, then you need a job offer from a company. To get a job offer from a company in Spain means probably they're asking you to come over there because you speak English or you're a hyper-specialist in some kind of field. In my case, I was an English-speaking copywriter and I was working on an international brand that needed English, so that's why I got the job. If you can put yourself in that same position, then awesome. Obviously, you should do a job hunt around Spain, Barcelona, if you want to move there and see what's available and see if you can tune your profile to fit the profile. But it is not the easiest thing in the world, I think, to, to get a job as a South African in Spain. It's the same kind of deal as most other countries. They have to prove that there's no Spanish person who can do your job. So if you can't get a skilled worker visa, then you can invest in property in order to get into Spain. But the minimum investment required there is 500,000 euros, which right now is about 8 million 800,000 rand, which is a fairly hefty sum. There are also study visas, as well as non-lucrative visas, which means people who want to retire to Spain and can prove that they can sustain themselves financially. 
Then finally, there's a startup visa scheme in Spain that gives you a pathway to residency for which you need a business plan, which details how many Spanish people will be employed and the value it's going to add to the country. So to sum up, I would give work opportunity a six out of 10 here. The weather. I found the weather in Barcelona to be incredibly pleasant, but I was predominantly there during the summer season, which runs from May, June to September, October, about three months. The warm season is about three months, whereas the cold season is about four months. But during that warm season, Barcelona is incredible. It's a little bit humid, but it's hot. uh, It's clear. And Barcelona is not like Cape Town, where I come from, in that it is not super windy all the time. The evenings are just incredible during the warm times. During winter, most of the trees lose all their leaves. It gets cold. It gets down to 10, 12 degrees. And Barcelona is a very drab European city during that time. Overall, I think the trade-off is worth it because the summers are incredible. So for weather, I would give it an 8 out of 10. Also note that Spain varies widely. It's a huge country. Madrid is totally different to Barcelona, different to Bilbao. There's there's lots of different places around the country with different weather systems. So worth investigating if you're not just thinking about moving to Barcelona, but somewhere else in Spain. Arts and culture, definitely a 10. As I've explained already, the opportunity for arts and culture in Barcelona is just never ending. It's everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there's music and art, and I love it. So 10 out of 10. Restaurants and food, I'm going to give a 9 out of 10 because there are definitely some mediocre places. But if you are a foodie, you will be in heaven in Barcelona. The only thing that's a little bit difficult to find is a good cup of coffee. A good cappuccino is a little bit difficult to come by. I would recommend in Barcelona, I think they have two stores at least when I was there, uh, there's a coffee shop called Satan's. And although it's got a weird name, they make an incredible cup of coffee. The baristas are incredibly friendly and uh, well worth a visit. Opportunity to travel, again, is a 10. Spain gives you access to the rest of the EU. It's a great place to travel just within the country itself, but you're within striking distance of anywhere in Europe. So 10 there. Question 20 on my list for my guests is how easy or difficult has it been to integrate into the culture and language? Now, personally, I found it a little bit difficult to integrate into the culture and language. The schedule that they run in Barcelona was difficult for me to get used to. To be honest, I really didn't enjoy my job. So I, after a few months, I was in quite a negative headspace about that. I was communicating with a lot with my girlfriend who then became my wife. So I was kind of living in the past or living in South Africa a little bit while also living in Barcelona. And I just didn't put the energy required into learning Spanish to really become a part of the city. And I I didn't. Eventually, I came home. The most important thing when moving to a country where you don't speak the language is to just work on the language. And to do that as well, you need to make friends with people who who live in the country, you need to join clubs. There's incredible amounts of uh, clubs. If you go to meetup.com, you can find all kinds of different interests and activities, and there you'll get a chance to, to chat to people, usually bilingual, and you'll be able to learn the language. As always, the best way is actually to end up dating someone who lives in the in the city, in the country, and you can learn from each other. Spanish is deceptively difficult in my mind, and if I'd given it a proper go, I think I would have integrated just fine But alas, I was only there for a few months. And by the time I returned, I just hadn't really put that effort in. Even my Spanish friends, my Spanish colleagues told me, wow, you've been here quite a long time and you're not really getting the language. (laughs) Which, to be fair, my job was to to do English, to, to write and speak English. And the team that I worked with also comprised of English speakers. 
So yeah, excuses aside though, I did find it a little bit difficult to integrate. Finally, question 21, what advice would you give people considering moving to your new home? Number one is you need a pass to get there, which if you don't have an ancestral passport is going to be some kind of work investment uh, or job offer from a company. So once you get over that hurdle, then you're pretty much good to go. When you arrive in Barcelona, as I said, you need to negotiate the rental property market quite carefully. I recommend staying in Airbnbs for two to three weeks while you look around for the place that you want. I recommend that you get involved in the many, many social clubs around the city and get to know people on a social level to integrate quickly. I don't recommend taking anything with you. Pack as much as you can into whatever bags you're allowed to take on the plane and just go. I would put your stuff in storage in South Africa or sell it, get rid of it and just go to Barcelona. There's uh, Ikea's there that you can furnish a place with. A lot of the apartments and places you might live in Barcelona have narrow doors. There are walk-ups with no elevators or small rickety elevators. And the kind of furniture or personal goods that you bring from South Africa might just be too big to fit in these places. Better just to start afresh. Lastly, travel the whole of Spain while you live in Barcelona. It's a fascinating country. It's actually more like five countries all smashed together involuntarily by the, the government in Madrid. Uh, obviously, there's the Catalan movement in Barcelona. I actually left the country while the riots were going on uh, a few years ago with Madrid sending cops into Barcelona to put down riots. And there's this this constant swell of, uh, of kind of stubborn revolution from the, the Catalan people in Barcelona. It tends to come and go. It's a thing that as a foreigner, you might not be super aware of, but you'll become aware of it. The rest of Spain is is amazing as well. There's Madrid has got an incredible amount of culture and the nightlife is amazing. Uh, Bilbao has got the Guggenheim Museum and it's a, a beautiful old school, almost Northern European city. And there's just so much to see and do in Spain. So yeah, travel the country and see the rest of Europe while you're there as well. You can drive to Italy if you want to. So before I wrap up, I guess it's only fair that I tell you why I left Barcelona, why I came home, what happened there. So as you already know, I met my future wife two weeks before I left for Barcelona, and then she came to visit me a couple of months into my stay there. It's what we now call the Barcelona sex holiday, and that is also another major benefit of living in Barcelona, or at least going to Barcelona, is it is a romantic, romantic city, and it's just perfect for couples. So she came over for uh, about 10 days or so. It was an amazing visit, obviously, and it was all very sad. And we called it the doom in that I was committed to staying in Barcelona and living in Europe. And she, her business is based in South Africa and, and can't really travel. By the end of her holiday, she was considering finding a way to work in Barcelona with me. And I had already come close to the decision to come home. After she left, I took a week surf holiday in Portugal and while I was there, I did a lot of deep thinking about it and came to the conclusion that I'd met the right person at the wrong time. And that's happened to me a couple of times. But this time I decided it was worth making it the right time. So I decided to leave Barcelona. I said goodbye to it with very fond memories. I loved my time there. I spent a week traveling through some of the rest of Spain, including Sevilla, Cordoba and Granada. It was definitely the most important and best decision of my life. And we've been happily married since, and we now have an 18-month-old son. That said, I'm not convinced we will not emigrate at some point, and that's one of the reasons for this podcast. I am genuinely interested in what life is like in other cities and other countries, and uh, getting to know some of the 
destinations that people might not think about initially. Anyway, that's enough of my story. So that's it from me and my experience of Barcelona. By no means a comprehensive rundown of the city and moving to it. So I will be attempting to find us uh, an expert guest who's lived there for a few years, who has a different perspective, who can give us more details. And uh, I will try and get that guest onto the show so we can get some more information about Barcelona. Thanks again for your patience after my long break over the Christmas season. I'm back now and I'm hoping to do an episode uh, once a week or once every two weeks. If you've got any suggestions or requests for cities or countries that you want me to cover, feel free to drop me a line at our new webpage, expats.podcastpage.io. You can also just Google South African Expats Podcast and I'm sure it'll come up. Thanks again for listening and we'll chat again soon. South African Expats is produced by Jonathan Vanka and brought to you by Ping Productions.